0: Racing. It's green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start.
1: Kablens is holding on.
0: Cut glory for from But it is all heart style Rico and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne cup in.
1: Green light is on for the Green Light On podcast.
0: Nice little Saturday night edition of the Green Light On Premier Racing podcast. All things Meadows for the MGRA Saturday night meeting April 22. Nice little podcast this one. We're going to catch up with race caller uh dan hibbert daniel hibbert he's going to give us his three biggest race calls to date the biggest races or the best most memorable races that he's called over his last couple of years in the sport of greyhound racing i'm half confident uh on the saturday night program because we've got the tail up a little bit uh form is good uh, Thursday night, surprising, got the job done at Sandown Park, it was seven into fours. So I'm hoping the green light on Premier Racing podcast family could get a little piece of that and, and end up in front. So we'll rip into it now for the Saturday night meeting at the Meadows. Run of the week. Okay, run of the week from last Saturday night. Uh, there's a couple of nice results, uh, a couple of nice results throughout the program. I thought Meatball Molly was outstanding. Gabby's Yiros, who we've spoken about with uh, Martina Kay taking out race number five, her first city win as a trainer. Uh, Gary Stunham was sensational when he draws in. He's a he's a machine. Uh, Madigan was the run that I thought was run of the night for many reasons. Uh, main one being Ailey Bale looked absolutely home. It was a wet, wintry track and the strength of Madigan to put away Ailey Bale. This was a big, big performance. Maybe a run that we start to, to see the true Madigan and, and who knows where he might end up
1: and away Ailey Bale jumped well on the inside is going to pretty much find the lead unchallenged over Gotham Baroness and getting a lovely run across Madigan and I tell you what he's going to make it a race going out of the straight nose for nose Madigan and Ailey Bale they run to the back over Gotham Baroness behind them was Nadio Bale then came on the inside Midnight Rocker and money and power at the rear Ailey Bale and Madigan nose for nose off the back leading away from Gotham Baroness and running on was Midnight Rocker Ailey Bale and Madigan, Madigan's drawn to the lead. Madigan, Madigan turns the favourite over Ailey Bale and beats it by about two.
0: Yeah, and a really half. did turn the favourite over. Ailey Bale leading for home uh, around that home corner. And then Madigan just going boom. Uh, broke the heart of Ailey Bale up the home straight. You could see that and won it nearly two and a half, three lengths at the end. So really, really big win, Madigan. I thought going in Ailey Bale just could not be beaten by Madigan. Um, I thought she had the strength over him. She had the draw to hold the front, which she did. But yeah, Madigan just turned up the heat and he was just uh, too big, too imposing, and he got the job done in in very good fashion last Saturday night from the broadcast box. Well, a man who is back on the Green Light on Premier Racing podcast, and I think he might have learned a few lessons uh, in the last 24 hours in regards to, uh, to punting and quaddies in greyhound racing here in Victoria is Daniel Hibbard, the caller, from the Callers Box, here to chat everything about Saturday night at the Meadows. But before we get to that, uh, he will be giving us his top three runs, biggest runs that he's called. But before we jump to those two, I welcome you, Dan. And can you tell me, mate, what have you learned about placing quaddies on greyhounds here in Victoria?
2: I've learned... Good evening, Jim. Yes, I've learned the uh, the hard way that... uh, if you're going to take a lot of greyhounds in uh, one particular leg, or particular leg, you're probably best off taking the field because uh, that came back to bite us today on uh, RSN with uh, the quaddy in the preview. And, uh, yes, we uh, landed the quaddy with the other three legs, but we took six out of the seven in the third leg. And, of course, we know what happened. The 50-1 outsider won the third leg. So, uh, yes. A bit uh it was a bit of a, a bit of a joke with uh, John henry on rsN and and uh, hoss Bensley as well so uh, they were uh, quite enjoying my um uh, my uh, little bit of an error on my behalf by uh, leaving out one particular dog in one
0: race. Yeah, well, I don't think it was really an error in hindsight, in a sense, because as you say, it was 50 to 1. Here are the concluding stages of that call. I haven't had a listen yet, so I'll see if the shock is in your tone, Daniel. Here we go.
1: It was militant storm looming very large, goes up on the outside, without reason kicks. Unbelievable, John Henry, without reason <laughs> has won and beaten Vader oh, love it. And-
0: Unbelievable, John Henry in the race call. I love that, mate. Uh, terrific uh, terrific uh, call, but uh, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. It, it happens to all of us. I, I've given up on quaddies, to be honest. They asked me for a quaddie, um RSM with all of these previews, and I just don't do it anymore because I have jumped ship. I'm sick of getting three legs of the quaddy, but uh, I'm going to move on from quaddies, forget about that, and, and just soldier on. I don't mind same race multis now, mate. That's something I don't mind having a look at.
2: Oh, well, it's it's. I sort of you, know, you try and I don't try to uh, make the quads too expensive, but sometimes you you sort of do uh, you know go fairly deep, and uh, you know I, I, the more the, the more I'm sort of doing the calling and, and tipping and stuff. It's it's whether I can get a perfect game like the uh, like Smithy. It's uh, trying to pick twelve out of twelve, and uh, you know you, you you get you sit in the box, and you might get uh, the first four or five, and uh, I actually got, I think I had six going not long ago. I ended up having 10 winners in two seconds about three weeks ago, but you sort of sit there, and I'm sort of more trying to get a perfect game if I can ever do that, but that might be a long way off yet.
0: Yeah, very, very, very hard to do. used to be a little bit easier when they had that Warnable Classic series. All of the Greyhounds were nominated as pups two years prior to the series, and they used to be six dogs that weren't really competitive and one or two that were it used to be just a multi builder i suppose but that race has been uh, i think gone for probably five or six years maybe longer yeah. maybe 10 years i'm probably showing uh, how quick time goes there but uh, let's get into your three to one your top three when it comes to greyhound races that you've called uh, and, and big performances i guess and we'll start with the audio here of Uh, A race back in uh, June of 2021 and it's Shimmer Shine taking out the Pink Diamond Final and this was a magnificent run. Have a listen to this.
1: Racing coming out well, Shimmer Shine shows early speeds, holds the rail, and will lead. But Hazy Roy's across from the outside and goes up to pour on the pressure. Aston Rupee camped off them third from Dream Wizard, and then came Catch the Thief and Smart as Jack further back to Tinker, Craig, and Gypsy Yankee. But Shimmer Shine got the fly off the side, two lengths in front. Aston Rupee's out after it. What a finish! It's a Shimmer Shine. Aston Rupee's trying hard, but Shimmer Shine shines like a diamond. Shimmer Shine won the final.
0: To be honest, mate um as a broadcasting uh, partner to you what do we call ourselves colleagues um i would have to say that night of racing when you called the pink diamond uh, early on in your career was the moment i thought you're a serious caller because that uh, shining bright like a diamond to come up with that uh, in a pink diamond final with a name like shimmer shine was was sensational and that race what was it for you that was so i guess fantastic and memorable about that performance
2: well, it was, it, that was really the, the, the first big night that I got to call it. it was the first big race series. And, I mean, and the thing with it was it was the first time that it had ever been run as well, the whole, uh, the whole Pink Diamond Tong set, which was just a fantastic, uh, a fantastic event. And this race was really, uh, you know, really the, 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 the top one on the whole night. Uh, everyone had sort of been waiting for it all week. Uh, and uh, when uh, Shimmer Shine led and uh, Aston Rupi was right there, it was such a great race with those two in particular. But uh, you know, Shine just sort of proved his class in that race. And uh, yeah, for me, it was just that. You know, it was, that's it's always the way you sort of remember that the. the, the the first big ones that you sort of do and, and that was really one of the big first big ones I ever did.
0: Mate, it's hard to believe that was only a year and a half ago and what you've achieved in such a short time. Number two in your top three is the bold trees of last year and for obvious reasons, I could imagine, Stagger Out Lee will catch the concluding stages just under a lap to go in the driving rain, one of the best last to first wins you'll ever see.
1: Patsy, and then King Moraine, Susie's a mile off them, off the back straight, still untapped the leader, trying to get it, was Quarter on the outside, Corborn Magic, then Golden Quest, untapped into the straight, out deep, Corborn Magic, charging, Stagger Out Lee! Wow! Stagger Out Lee's come from last at one, <laughs> (laughs) Second quarter!
0: Extraordinary, wasn't it, Dan? Absolutely extraordinary.
2: That that was. And and the thing with it was that I just didn't see him. I honestly didn't see him. If you actually, part of the call down the back straight, I only actually called him once in the run, which was when they came into the home straight the first time. In the second, uh, you know, sort of second run through, I did going down the back straight. I actually didn't call him because he's sort of on the outside of another dog and I sort of had to get back to to the front of the field. And then next thing he was you know, bursting through and, and grabbing him. That's why I sort of yelled out, wow, because I just, I honestly didn't didn't pick him up until, like, 30 metres off the line. It was just a, an unbelievable performance. And, you know, you go back and watch watch him in the run and how much ground he actually made up. It was just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal performance.
0: You make a good point that I 100% agree with there, Dan, that what you thought at that moment was, wow, and that is what you said. And I think, as a broadcaster, I, I feel... The best way to broadcast is to just call naturally and not think too much about what you're saying, but just call what you see. And I think that's that's the best way to go about broadcasting any sport. And I think you've just absolutely nailed that.
2: Yeah, and I I think the thing that I've found sort of calling the calling the greyhounds over the last couple of years is that you know, despite the fact that the races are only you know, particularly at Sandown the Meadows, they're only sort of thirty seconds, the majority of them. I just feel like I've I've always got time. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, but uh, you know it's, it's probably the, one of the hardest sports to call because it's you know so quick and ha- is over in, a, in an instant. But I just always feel like I've got enough time to sort of you know try and get as much detail into it as possible. But a race like that, I mean, you just some things just happen and it just appear from nowhere, and you've just got to you just got to go with it, go with your gut and whatever you, whatever springs into your head at the time. And pretty much that's exactly what happened with that run.
0: Number one for Daniel Hibbert, the best races he's called to date. I could imagine why this would be very, very memorable. Your first Melbourne Cup, and it was Kablens, part of our intro on this Greenlight on Premier Racing podcast. And here it is, Kablens, magnificent in the Melbourne Cup.
1: Racing, kablenz flew out, he's going to lead easily, gets it clear, trying hard on the outside, Lala Kiwi, Aston Rupee last early, going through on the inside was Aussie Secret, deeper on the track, Kinton Bale, further back to Lala Kiwi, then Tiberia Bale, Aston Rupee's a mile off them with Japara, the leader was Kablenz. two lengths in front, leading clearly on the inside, Aussie Secret, trying hard through the inside, Lala Kiwi, Kablenz in front, Lala Kiwi's running on strongly, Kablenz is holding on, cut Ke- glory for Cablens. Wins the cup, beats...
0: I tell you what, Dad. I don't know if that's just become more famous because it's on the podcast, or more memorable, uh, more recognisable because it is on on my intro for this podcast, and that I listen to it consistently. But that that to me has become such a such a one liner for the sport, the concluding stages of that race. And I want to listen to it again just quickly as he as he goes to, for home here, Kiblens. Cup glory for Kablins. I love that call, down. I absolutely love it.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a really, uh, you know, obviously a, a massive uh, highlight in my life to be able to, to do something like that and to call a race like that. And I think the thing with Cablenz um, with is I reckon I'd called him, uh, I'd, I'd actually never called him in defeats. I, I think in the end, after his Melbourne Cup, I think I might have called him uh, maybe once getting beat. and But up until that point in time, I'd called him about six or seven times and he'd won every time he'd never been. But that includes obviously the the dead heat in the in the heat, which you know was the, the first Melbourne Cup he'd ever got the call was a dead heat, which was just uh was just incredible. But uh, yeah, he's a now he'll always be uh, have a special place in uh, in my memory because of uh, what he did but he won a, a race on Pink Diamond Night and then of course he came out and won a Melbourne Cup. So he's uh yeah, I'll never never forget him and and what he's meant to my calling career.
0: What was your preparation for that night, first Melbourne Cup? Nerves were they up and about? The I guess the the anticipation of, of knowing how important this race is.
2: Oh, it's I mean, I, I've probably in a way I've sort of been really lucky that you know I used to, obviously used to play the trumpet and used to play the last post and things like that, and that just doing that in front of a lot of people, uh, even though it's not the audience, you sort of get a. The, a race meeting like the Melbourne Cup, just across the years, has just sort of kept me really settled and you know not to try to worry about you know worrying about the end result. It's just you know um, you know being well prepared and you know not not thinking about uh, not thinking about the outcome, just doing the job, calling it uh, you know and you know I, once you get particularly that night, once I got going in the first few races, I felt really fine and. Uh, you know, by the time the cup came around, it's it's a really weird uh, feeling. You know, you sort of prepare for three or four months leading into that series, or even you know the last couple of months, and then you know all the build-up, all the, the hype, the first a uh, couple of weeks out, and then 30 seconds after it starts, it's finished. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it's it's gone and, and done, and uh, then you got to prepare for the next one. So it's it's a really um, you know it's a uh, a unique feeling because uh, you know there's a big build-up, but it's a, a very, uh, very quick result.
0: Who would be the best dog you think you've called over the years? Is it is it Wow? She's fast, or
2: maybe a cablins Oh, look, it's it's a good question. Wow, she's fast has uh, has really you know given me a lot of uh, a lot of joy calling her, uh, particularly at and over the the last twelve months in particular. Um, she's she is obviously one of the best going around, and you know, but she she has to be one of the luckiest ones around as well because she's just uh, you know, yes, she's got top speed and she can uh, you know break the clock and so forth. But uh, you know, she got has been so very lucky as well in, in a lot of those big races. But uh, you know, Keblins was he was just you know he was basically just uh, uh, automatic from the boxes and knew what you were going to get with him. Uh, I only got to call um Shinoshina a handful of times towards the back end of his career, uh, and a couple of times with Aston Rupi. Probably that was probably one of the other uh, really um, big calls that I was really proud of was the one uh, his heat win uh, in his Melbourne Cup year because he was um, he was really horribly held up uh, in that race, and you know you're just hoping and praying that he gets a bit of luck, a bit, gets a bit of clear air and. And he got it, and he charged down the outside. And uh, I mean, there's there's so many. You know, I've, I've listed three, but I reckon there's a, probably another twenty that were mm. are just awesome races that have been uh, fortunate enough to call. And I mean, I had one last night. I had the a dead heat in the the, um, the the distance race there, and uh, you know, I I said it was between uh, Zyl and Bale and, and Orca, and then all of a sudden the number comes up on the board, and it's uh, not. Uh, Silent Bale and Orpher in a dead-edit, Silent Bale and Shannon Hutter. It was just, you know, those sort of races just sort of stick in your head and you just you constantly remember them and and how good they were.
0: You just mentioned a moment ago Cablens was like automatic from the start. and That got me thinking. Last time we had you on this podcast, Dan, you were mentioning uh, about uh, a couple of car troubles and the car breaking down and being... uh, in the mechanics for some time, but I I have had my little spies uh, just floating around Victoria and they tell me that you're all set, mate, you're back in the vehicle and and everything's uh, smooth sailing at the moment.
2: Yeah, at this stage we're we're good. uh, (laughs) It'll go back, it'll go back into uh, the guys at Essen and Subaru in a a little few weeks just to get it a a check out, check over and make sure it's all good. But yeah, it was a long foot of three months without, uh, without the car. It sort of made it really difficult. I just, uh, died on the way home from Sandown and at uh, at Calcutta, and uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a saga, but uh, it was a a whole new engine that had to go into it, and uh, yeah, we've got we've got it back on the road, and uh, we'll keep it going for a little bit longer, and hopefully get a new one to. Uh, keep the cage going doing all the miles calling the races.
0: it's going to say rsN 927 uh, our boss are well and truly aware of the fact your car's going because every time I turn the tally on uh, Daniel Hibbards are calling a meeting every day and uh, tomorrow you're at the meadows uh, we are about to preview that on the podcast but have you got a, a couple of best bets mate that we can mark as as good chances tomorrow night on that program
2: oh look the the, the obvious is the the two that are going to be Really short, uh, you know, Trooper Tears is going to be so hard to beat, even though he has drawn eight, but he's going to be awfully hard to beat in that race. Uh, And then uh, I thought Elite Alex was, you know, he's a Mm. shade of odds on as well, but both of them are just flying at the moment. But my best is actually, um, I'm going to go with one that's in the the last uh, race, uh, Meatball Molly. The form line just stands out as if, uh, you know, it's the obvious. Um, it beat Al last uh, last week. I know Alzende probably got a little bit held up in that run, but sh- still did the job. Led all the way, thirty and twenty-three. Drawn the red again. I don't think this field's anything uh, any harder. In fact, it might be a, a fraction easier. I think uh, I think she's going to be a massive chance. Got to wait all night, but uh, she's probably going to be the best. I reckon mm. for Molly in the last.
0: Yeah, she is progressing beautifully, just like yourself, Dan. Keep up the good work, mate, uh, and we shall chat to you very soon again on this podcast. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, John. Saturday's preview. All right, 12 races on the card. Uh, Let's get through these, starting with race number one. First event, pretty keen here on number one closure. I thought the Greyhound was very unlucky in a heat of this particular mate and final. Went to accelerate, had no room, wanted the rail, gets box one here. So boxes ticked. I'm pretty keen on race one, number one. Race two, I like four prior Bailey's run behind a pretty good one. Alpha Zulu at Geelong last time was awesome. The last 50 metres, the amount of ground he made up was immense. I think he's going to develop into a, a nice stayer. He's bred to be strong. Uh, bread to run all day and I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on maybe not so much just for this week but as he progresses throughout his career I think it could end up being a, a group class of stayer. all going well prior bail on then to race number three thought this was probably the hardest race of the night um, I might go a small each way play uh, on Angus Anchovy's form here at the Meadows is pretty strong uh, and he has run a 5.13 to the peg 30 and 20 back in Jan if he does that um, I think he's going to be right up at the uh, the pointy end of this race and, and pretty hard to beat. Race number four, mix six and seven over the 600 metres. I'll go Crackerjack Hawk, but not with a great amount of conviction. I think he's got a big motor, but he can do a few things wrong. He won a race at Horsham. Was that probably just on over a month ago, maybe right on a month? He was a hot favourite there. Did a bit wrong and then surged home over the top. So I think up to 600 metres, we might see the best of Crackerjack Hawk. Race number five. Uh, I am going here with uh, number eight, and that is Trooper Tears. Yes, he's going to need a little bit of luck in running, but I think the pink's not a bad draw from him. Uh, for him, he can he can just let loose down the middle and and prove too good. Race number six. Now this is one of the best bets of the night for me. Trending Yale number two. Uh, I think gets a very very winnable race, drawn well closer to the inside and a trouble free run the key, and I think Trending gale's going to get that and get the job done. So one of the best bets of the night, race 6, number 2. On then to race 7, keen here on number 3, Hummick uh, was making up serious ground in that Geelong Cup heat. Not sure the, the inside track at Geelong over 5.20 really suited, so getting back up to 600, uh, this is where we're going to see the best of Hummock. Race 8, thought this was a really, really raffle type of race, but I, I do like Elite Alex. Um, I think he's just the class runner. I'm just... Not 100% convinced by the draw, but in saying that if he hits the start, he probably crosses and leads, and from there he gets the job done. Race number nine, a good race. We see Trappeteers in box four, Stoutmanelli out wide, but I'm going to take them on with Transponder in box number one. I think he showed what he's capable of with that flying Horsham win. In a restricted win heat. He went 26 91 and that was from the red. So, a couple of goes from box one. He's won two races from the inside. So, I think he's well drawn here at transponder. Uh, race number 10, I'm going with All Spritzed Up. I think the run at Geelong behind Fabs Udon was awesome. He made up a lot of ground there. I think the red's going to get the lead with Kanyarik scene They're going to go toe to toe and I just hope All Spritzed Up can get across. He won the great chase here. So, he doesn't mind the meadows and I think he'll be hard to beat. Race 11, I'm going to play a small place bet on Elusive Fly. I think drawn to run very well. The two should use a little bit of the tracks, give the red the run, and Elusive Fly should go good. Race 12, Meatball Molly and Pierce. I'll have an each way play on Meatball Molly and a same race multi Meatball Molly to run top two, and Pierce in box two to run top four. Hunters, Hunting Club. Okay, now chances are you're going to lose. If gambling's becoming a problem for you, give gamblers' help a call, 1 800 858 858. Uh, my recommendation for the punters' punting club, I'm going to go $20 each way, race six, number two, Trending Yale. There'll be no third dividend, but it will be, obviously, a more generous place divvy, and I honestly think Trending Yale's a, a really big chance to run top two at worst, and then I'm going to have $5 each way on Hummock in race seven. I just think back up to 600 I, I thought last year he might end up being a sale cup type of dog. Things didn't go right there. Um, He wasn't racing at that time of the year, but he's back now. And, yeah, I think he's just starting to build and and show that he's on his way back for a a very big 600-metre-plus campaign this time around. Well, that wraps up the podcast. A nice addition. Until next time, punters, safe travelling and happy punting. Good luck with the Meadows program on Saturday night.